Good morning and welcome to Friday morning, February the 26th in 2021 on When I Rise. We're currently in year B in the second Sunday in Lent and on Fridays we'd like to take a look at the gospel text of the week. And so we're going to be in a familiar place, Mark chapter 8 verses 31 through 38. So a familiar passage, one that you've probably heard before if you've been in and around the Christian movement. So let me read that passage, provide a couple points for reflection, and then we'll spend our time praying along a theme that we see there. So thanks for making this party morning on Winter Rise. Let's allow our souls to rise and be got together in a time of prayer. Mark chapter 8, verses 31 through 38. Then Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and experts in the law, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He spoke openly about this. So Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But after turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. You are not setting your mind on God's interest, but on man's. Then Jesus called on the crowd along with the disciples and said to them, If anyone wants to become my follower, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life because of me and because of the gospel will save it. What benefit is it for a person to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his life? What can a person give in exchange for his life? For if anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, The Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. This is the word of God for us. In this place and in other places of the Gospels, Jesus' teachings highlight something I think is quite common for us uh, in our human experience. That's what I love about the Gospels. The Gospels tell us the story, but they also kind of hint at some of the archetypes of what it means to be human. So let me try to explain. I think this happens at times when we try to make some changes in our life, um, when we want to branch off in a new direction, when we want to, I don't know, uh, in, increase in some habits that we think that would be beneficial for us. And in that first initial stage, like things are great, right? Like it's new. We're inspired. We've got a plan. Like we've maybe even bought stuff to kind of help us. I think of this as an example of this, like someone who wants to work out, you know, and they're like, okay, I got the membership and I got some workout clothes. And, um, you know, you wake up that first morning, you want to get it in before you go to work or whatever, right? And it's easy to do one day. Like you get up and you're like, okay, I can do this. I drink a cup of coffee all the way out the door. I go to the gym. I finish the workout, I feel good about it, right? And then maybe you string a few days or a few weeks of that, but then at some point there comes like a like a moment of decision, right? Where it's just not so fun anymore, like the newness is you know, worn off, um, the tiredness has caught up with you, like workout clothes aren't so impressive anymore, uh, maybe the newbie gains that you get from uh, being new to something begins to wear off, and like the, the progress from that point gets challenging. Uh, I remember uh, when I first started playing hockey. Hockey was fun. I was watching it on TV. I was learning. It was everything new. But then, like, uh, I was able to, like, play for a team that travels a little bit. I remember, like, we had to go from Wichita to Dallas. And I just remember that after three straight days of hockey, of getting hit, of hitting others, and the wear and tear in the body, like, my shoulders ached just to raise up. I'm like, man, I don't know if I want to do this anymore, right? Because like all that initial inspiration was like zapped. It was like this wrung out, like the last few drops 
uh, running out of a towel, you know, and then, you know, what do you have left? Yeah, nothing, nothing impressive, right? Maybe that's what's going on here. I mean, Jesus and his friends, they've been having just the greatest time. And sure, there's been some challenges along the way. And maybe they're road weary. But if you look at the, the uh, section right before this, like Peter, who is the, one of the characters of this passage, he just absolutely predicts that Jesus is the Messiah. He confesses that Christ is Lord, uh, verses 27 and 28. Um, and Jesus affirms him for that. This very next passage, Jesus begins to talk about some of the harder things, the shadow, uh, the dark lines of the picture of what it means to be Messiah and to continue his movement forward. And Peter, for whatever reason, wants to break in and stop Jesus. And we don't know why. Um, it wasn't uncommon for um, you know someone like Jesus, who's a political figure and Messiah, starting an uprising, like to suggest that hardship was going to come, that some suffering might happen along the way. And Jesus is going, well, I'm going to be apprehended by these individuals. I'm going to be harshly treated. I'm going to be killed. I'm going to be raised on the third day. I mean, he's speaking plainly to them here, but Peter like jumps in. Maybe because this didn't fit his initial projection of where this was going. And so Jesus, in the next uh, section, he's talking to a larger crowd, and he talks about taking up a cross. That wasn't the easiest thing to convey. That didn't elicit good news. It'd be like someone walking into the room and saying bad things like, hey, I got in a car wreck today, or I just got off the phone with one of my parents and they have cancer. Like it would have had the same response. Like it wouldn't have like, you know, followed by cheers. People would have seen like, okay, this movement that Jesus has and us as we follow him, like this thing's got an expiration date on it. Like it's got a clock that's running down to like all zeros because at the end this doesn't seem like it's going in the place maybe we initially thought it but we have to admire what Jesus is doing here he's speaking with clarity he's allowing them to really count the cost before they follow him but he also highlights I think an important universal truth that anything worthwhile is going to come at a cost and I think some people I try to tell uh, they try to, you know, give an assessment of maybe of our generation or maybe this era that, you know, we all want it super easy and that people want to give out effort. I don't think that's the case. I don't think any generation has been okay with counting the cost. And we can look back, uh, you know, with a great wonder about previous generations before us and how they sacrificed. And there seems to be this collective effort, you know, of, of just knowing it was going to take some hardship and some suffering in order to make it. But if we get, like, get into the weeds of personal accounts, like, no one is signing up and shouldering this thing so willingly. And we're like, in, in contrast to us who are so unwilling to do so. Hardship is tough, but it's in the algebra of what it means to be human. In particular, it's in the algebra of what it means to be a human who tries to put forth a common good for the world around us. And so Jesus is once again our brilliant teacher and Savior and Lord because he highlights it once again that any effort forward comes at a great cost. And I think the solace and the grace that we find here is that Jesus didn't exempt himself from the suffering like maybe some other leaders do. But Jesus went to the very heart of it, right? And he tells us to like do so together, like whoever would follow me, right? And he gives this thing, if you lose your life now, you will gain it. And he's not just talking about this individual that like go off on your own and do this, but you're going to see that you're going to be doing this together. And there's going to be like a collective grace as we 
walk this road together. And so, brother and sister in Christ, uh, this is the call of the Christian. The call of the Christian is to embrace the abundant life that Jesus gives us, but it is shaped by a life that takes from us a little bit. And it's actually good news because it, it gets the most out of us, right? It gets the most out of our affections and our skills and our gifts. And it gets the most out of us as a community because we follow our Savior into that suffering and we learn how to do it well as we watch one another and lean upon one another for prayer and support as we do so. We're heading into challenging days because that's every generation does. So as we do so, may we not be overcome by the grief of it all and may we not throw up our hands and say, I'm done with this, but may we embrace it together and as we do so, experience the joy of following Jesus together. Let's spend some time praying for that uh, that process and for that pro- projection this morning. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you that you reveal to us uh, the measure of grace that we need in the moment. And God, I think we confess sometimes that when we first embrace Christ in the way of Christ, we uh, embrace you because of the benefits of salvation. We just confess that when we hear the good news, that we can have peace with God uh, because of what Jesus has offered for us. It's hard to pass up because it's such a great salvation. God, we also understand that like Peter along the way, we begin to hear uh, the shadowy tone of the cross. We begin to see the dark lines that contour the picture of Jesus and it startles us and uh, the experience of suffering makes us wonder and it makes us search for answers that we can't seem to find. So we struggle with how such a great grace and the gift of grace could somehow be paired with an experience of suffering. And so God help us in our times of lack when we do not know God, help us because we don't want to give up. That's not our heart's desire, even though uh, we may be tempted to do so. So God, I pray for my brothers and sisters this morning who are struggling relationally, uh, struggling financially, who are suffering perhaps uh, with the need for healing in their bodies, those who are struggling because they don't have a soundness of mind, uh, who are struggling because um, they have a difficult task in front of them and they don't know how to calculate their next move. God, we thank you that your word tells us uh, that we need to take up a cross, that uh, we, we, we engage in is willingly laying our life down uh, so that we can find it, um, so that we know we can find it within you. God, we thank you for the promise that Jesus, that you were, uh, that you were crucified, you were also raised, you were vindicated by your Father. And so we know that we can be vindicated as well. So God, help us to see the long game, the, the big picture of how gift and suffering how cross and how resurrection and vindication all blend together in our beautiful, effectual calling. So God, be with us. Speak to us uniquely in our moment. Raise us up and cause us uh, to be invigorated for the call of the gospel in all of its entirety as we live before you and as we live before a watching world today. I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.